Yeah. Man, it's good I to be to here, brother. I had story to be able to tell my story. <laughs> I yeah. never thought of doing it, actually. You not, never thought of telling your story? No, I never thought about it. And like I said, I was listening to the one preacher do it. Yeah. And then when I went to the church yesterday, I felt impressed with God to tell my story, not knowing that I come here and you'd be like, can you tell me your story? That's right, brother. So I've been telling it so I, I can... <laughs> nice. You know. And I'll even give you a copy of this, your story for, you know, for a cheap discount. Okay. <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> it's fine. Well... Yeah. Uh, so you go by Robert, yeah? yeah Robert. I know this sounds weird, but um, so we met online, right? right. <laughs> we met online. We're taking this course together for for our, our uh, demon class, and this is our second one together. Now we're at beautiful Shrinemont Retreat on this spiritual renewal retreat that I, I never would have imagined myself on in, you know, 13 years. Um, and then I'm hearing you talk on day one. What are we on now? This Three. is... This is well, day three. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, yeah night right. one, day two, whatever. Yeah. We've been here for more than twenty four hours, and I'm I'm think the first thing I'm thinking to myself is, dude, I need I need to get Robert's story, because God has obviously touched that man, He set him free. I need to get his story because the story needs to be told. So now you're here telling me you've never thought about uh, capturing your story. Right. So, and I, I you know I don't have anything scripted. I just what what's on my heart, right. and that's how I typically when I, when I want to interview someone too uh, I'm just going to ask them you know, and, and then for the experiences that I've when I'm running into people and, and doing ministry with them I'm just going to ask the questions that people are dying to answer too mm-hmm. so uh, Lord give me a question here alright the first thing the first thing that, that I wanted to know is, is you've been set free from trying to uh, from telling your wife what to do right <laughs> okay you gotta, you gotta tell me about that and sort of, if you, if you need to paint the picture, give me some, give us some more context. Um, well, I, one of the things I want, when I married, like I said, when I married my wife, we were on two totally different spiritual levels. Right. Um, my wife was probably, she'd been in church most of her life, but, you know, she was kind of just really coming out of a bad relationship, trying right. to get her spiritual life back in order. I was already in ministry, preaching and teaching and things like that. But um, I knew supernaturally that God had connected us. And so God told me at the beginning of the relationship to leave her alone. Yeah. That he wanted to grow her up, that he wanted to mature her. Okay. And so I said, okay, Lord. I didn't understand the dynamics of it, saying okay, Lord, but I just believe this is what God was telling me to do. And so as we started out in ministry and one of the things I would see happen all the time, I would go out and preach places and, you know, people would get blessed and everything. And we get in the car and be riding home and my my wife would be sitting there with attitude. She'd be angry. Yeah. And I'm going, what in the world's going on? Why is this woman mad? All these people just got blessed. She should be, you know. Right. And my wife would uh, turn around and say, well, you didn't say nothing. You you act like you're not married. You act like you, you know, and I'm going, uh. yeah. So I'm sitting there going, now, nah, I got to, and it, my style of ministry um, and where the, the, how can I say, the, the setting that we come from is that the, the job of the MC or the person that's setting the service up, their job is to set the atmosphere. Okay. So that when the preacher gets up, all he has to do is preach. Right. So I have a tendency to step into the atmosphere and just flow. 
Okay. You know, and so during that flow time, I'm not thinking about I need to acknowledge my wife or yeah, yeah. all yeah. this kind of stuff. I'm thinking about, God, who are you trying to talk to? Who you want me to minister to? But she used to get angry about that all the time. And, you know, and God be like, okay, don't say anything. Don't say anything. And I'm going, but <laughs> so um, even got to a place where financially it was becoming a problem. You know, as a man, and I, I say this, uh, we think logically. That's what men do. Mm -hmm. And so if I have $200 and my bills are $150, I can't afford to buy a brand new car. Right. And I'm just giving that exa as an example. But my wife would go, we need a new car. Right. You know, and she would find a way to go get one. Sure. And then wonder why we don't have any money. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, I would sit back and I'd be like, oh, God, I can't say nothing to her. So, you know, uh, one time we got delivered. I, I'm going to call it a deliverance because she got in an accident. Car got totaled. So right. we were stuck with, you know, trying to get something else. On another occasion, she went out and bought a car. Again, another accident. Car got totaled. Oh, we had wow. to you know, and so I'm going, is she ever going to get this? And then right. it got to a place that we actually lost a house. Yeah. Had a big, beautiful six-bedroom house and all of yeah. that. And really, financially, we wasn't even supposed to be there. Right. And and my what happened is, oh, let me tell this part, put this in my testimony. Um, we, God had so conditioned her, even though she had a problem financially, God had so conditioned her that she could stand through the financial trouble. Okay. You understand? So she was conditioned. So when we moved and started pastoring, um, the Lord told me to go into full-time ministry, and we had no income. Okay. And I didn't have that many members. And in fact, most of the people in my church were um, drug addicts and homeless people. Yeah, and yeah. So What state was this? This is in Ohio. Ohio, okay. And so we began to build this ministry with nothing. No right. money. We didn't have money to even pay our rent every month. Right. And God would lay it on people's hearts to send us checks monthly to help yeah. us out financially yeah. and stuff like that. But, I mean, even that would get her frustrated. And, you know, she'd be like, uh, I want to go shopping. I want to, you know. Yeah. So every time I would go get a job, we would lose something. Okay. You know, so she would, she, she would have to come to me and say, the Lord told me you're not supposed to be working. Yeah. You know, and so one time she finished her degree up. She got her a good job and she was making money. She came home one time and she's like, I'm tired of spending all my money just to pay bills. Yeah. So the Lord called her off her job. Right. And so she got real sick and um, kept going back and forth to the doctors. They couldn't find nothing wrong with her. Yeah. We went to church one night, actually it was at World Harvest, and Dr. Parsley walks over and points out in the audience of where we was, and he said, God is telling somebody to quit your job. And my wife fell out in the floor because she knew God was talking to her. Yeah. So here we are back with no income again. <laughs> and uh, we were just we got to a place that we just started trusting God. I could yeah. tell you many miracles that took place sure. during this time, uh, supernatural. But one of the greatest things that happened because of our faithfulness, God overnight put us in a six-figure income business hmm. just i mean we would have never thought it you know right. to happen like that that's how we ended up in the house okay and so i was trying to tell my wife i'm like hey you know maybe we should uh i'll, I'll give you this i said to her one time she said i want to go out and get some curtains and i need to get some stuff and i said sweetheart we can't afford that yeah and she got mad 
and she started kicking and screaming. And, yeah. And then finally I said, okay, I'm sorry. Do what you want to do. It's okay. We don't need to have any division between us because division between us can cause problems on a bigger scale. We got kids. And right. so I don't want the division. Do whatever you want to do. Yeah. How many kids you got? Um, I have to total of four. Okay. But two of them were with us. Other two were with my previous wife. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so let that go on. We ended up losing the house. Uh, it's funny. We lost that house foreclosure. We moved into another house, and it foreclosed on that house. But we went a whole year without paying rent because the the owner wasn't paying the mortgage. We found out the owner wasn't paying the mortgage, which means we didn't have to pay rent anymore. So we were rent-free for a whole year wow. <laughs> in a house, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, little things like that God did, but... What I begin to learn just from sitting back is that everything that I wanted my wife to do, God would always tell her to do it. Say that again. Everything I wanted my wife to do, God would tell her to do it. Okay. I never had to say it to her. Yeah. You know, and in the areas that she was not doing what I wanted to do, because of my relationship with God, it was usually something that I had to do. Okay. It was usually a representation of something missing in my relationship with God. So an example of, of one thing you wanted to do dealing with, with spending or? Um, that probably wasn't it. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, the, I, money is not an issue to me. I think God takes care of his children. Yeah. And I, if I ain't learned nothing else in all these years, I learned that. Okay. So um, let's, well, if I be real, let's talk sexually. Okay. You know, I feel like since I'm married, I'm supposed to be able to. Makes sense. Enjoy my wife, you know. And, makes sense. Um, <laughs> uh, I thought, you know, my wife just kind of held out a little bit too long, you yeah. know, in certain cases. And, and there was a situation after about five years we were married. I said we went to Las Vegas, Nevada, beautiful MGM Grand Hotel. Yeah, yeah. This my job actually took me there. Okay. And so we was on this great weekend. This is my reward for being such a good manager and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. And... My wife wouldn't let me touch her. Yeah. And I got, I mean, within me, I, I was just raging. And sure. I remember that night sitting on the edge of my bed, and I said, Lord, I said, I could have stayed single. I don't, I don't have to be, I could have stayed single, and I wouldn't have to worry about this, you know. Right. And, uh, I, and I really just kind of got to a place where I was saying, Lord, I really don't want to be married no more. And the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He said, now you're exactly where I want you to be. Okay. And so the Lord began to deal with me. He said, your issue it's not that you need sex. Your issue is that you're insecure. Yeah. And he said, you're trying to find security in her, and she can't give it to you. Ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so now you switched from your security being attached to your wife to security being... In, in the Lord. In only in him. Only in him. Yeah. And so that, again, helped me to stop dealing with her, because that's your question. How do I stop the process that going through that whole mental thing of God okay you're the one that secures me you're the one that you know so when I'm in need I got to come to you I can't go to her when I want something I got to come and I got to be in your face and trust that you're going to give it to me right now I know he's going to give it to me through her but it's not my job to force her to give it to me it's his job to do it that's right you know and yeah. so that became my pattern yeah. For, for my life, for my marriage, everything I want from my wife, I go to God to get it. Sure. You know. Yeah, and you know, and the reason why that I, I was so fascinated when you first said that, that God told you, um, with, with other things, he said, mm. he said, don't touch her. Yeah. 
it wasn't even the physical thing. It was it was don't touch her, mm. meaning don't tell her what to do. Right. And so I said, oh, I, I can talk to this guy because my struggle, at least for the first seven years of marriage, would always be, it's my job to tell her what's wrong with her. I need to tell, I need to say something. And it wasn't until recently where he where he goes, um, when you come before me in my throne, I'm not going to ask you why did she do things. <laughs> and I started slowly be, began to be set free from that. And uh, so many of other my, you know, the guys that that God has put in my life, they go, oh, right. She's not listening to me. Um, she's trying to control me. She's so, so like, so what's what's your message to me as well as the, all the other guys out there who would who would hear this testimony and and, we, and feeling you, the need to, to say something? You have to, to go back to scripture. Okay. And you Take have to, to ask. You have to ask God what you have to ask. What is God's original intent? Yeah. What is His original intent? In marriage. In marriage. So you okay. have to go all the way back to Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The two shall become one flesh. Okay. He created them male and female and yeah. called their name Adam. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> They're both called Adam. They're both called Adam. Is this why we say I now when we when we do weddings, mm. I now pronounce you Mr. and Mrs. Ryan Bryant, yeah. you know? Because you become never one. About, I never thought about that. See, the idea of a woman being under a man or serving a man yeah. came with the curse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Your Let me say it again. For your, for yeah. your man, but he will rule over you. That, yeah. that came with the curse. Yeah. So Pain if and Jesus. Plus that. Yeah. So if Jesus broke the curse, why are you still holding on to it? So. Mm. So then you, this is, and in, in, since I'm giving you scripture, I got to take you through the scripture. So we understand, first of all, that man and woman are equal according to God's original intent. Okay. Yep. All right. But all through scripture, we see the difference, the the messages where Paul is saying women should cover their hair and women should be subject to their husbands right. and all that kind of stuff. So we see that teaching. And how do we balance that out with God's original intent? Because that is yeah. New Testament. Yeah. But And so the way to balance it out is to understand why submission in the first place. Yeah. What is the purpose of submission? The purpose of submission is so that we can mature. Mm -hmm. You cause your children to submit to you so you can mature them. Right. And so one scripture, I think it's in Peter, where Peter says, wives, submit yourself to your husband. Yeah. That by your good conversation. Yes. You may win him. Right. And so you have this dynamic of these women are submitting to men for maturity, for growth. Right. Now, who's growing in this situation? The woman's growing because she's understanding through her submission, she gets to see the power of God work in her spouse. Mm -hmm. Just like I did with my wife. Through me learning to submit to God, it caused me to submit to her, but it also caused me to watch God transform her life. Mm -hmm. The second form, the second thing that it does is it brings people to their, to the end of their rope in a sense. So yeah. let me give you an example. Let's yeah. say your wife happens to be more gifted in finances than you are, right? This is and true. And you feel like you have to be the man of the house, so you're controlling the finances. Yeah. yeah. Well, if your wife totally submits to that, at some point, you're going to come to the end of your rope and realize you can't handle it. Mm -hmm. And what are you going to do then? 
Now, most of us will go outside the marriage and get somebody else to help us, not realizing the gift is right there in your house. That's right. You know? Yeah. And so... I saw it as a threat instead of a gift. Exactly. Yeah. Pride. See? Yeah. <laughs> See, everything yeah. you need is in your house. When you get married, God gives you everything you need. Yeah. You know, for your happiness, for your peace, for your joy, all of that is right there in your house. That's what he gave Adam when he gave him, gave him another Adam. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they only messed it up because they agreed to do something against the will of God. They agreed together to do it. Right. So they messed up that whole system. And now, you know, we got this lordship thing going on that never God never intended that to be. Yeah. What, what do you mean by lordship thing? Where the man is ruling over the woman. Oh, yeah. Lordship. Yeah. Sarah okay. called her husband Lord. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Under the old, you know. Where is this mutual submission? It's, you see in the New Testament now. Yeah. Submit, one, submit to one to another. Yeah. You know. So submission can be a good thing, but it's not supposed to always be that way. Yeah. Right? Your kids are going to grow up and be grown one day. Yes. You can't keep telling them to be submitted. What do you mean be submitted? I'm yeah. my own father now. Right. I'm a father now. How, what I need to be submitting to you for? No, yeah. A man <laughs> will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Yeah. So if you look at submission as a, as a place of growth and not a place of absolute, then you can see the, the balance that God creates in yeah. relationships. Yeah. I remember uh, <clears throat> when we got married, um, my wife and I got married uh, well, shoot, over 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pastor that did the wedding, his, uh, my friend, and mm. he talked about submission. And then one of her aunties came up after the ceremony, and she goes, "This is this is um, two, this is twenty first century." Or she said, "Twenty first century. This is mm. two thousand seven. Mm. You don't have to submit anymore." Yeah. <laughs> and so she came up. But she didn't have to say that. All she had to do was say the Bible. Yeah. The curse yeah. is broken. That's all. That's, that's right. what she needs to say. That curse is broken, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. But uh, but it does work. But God calls this, to, yeah, mutual submission, yeah. one to another. Yeah. See, the the idea of marriage is that it will be ca- cause you to become greater than you ever could have become by yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the whole idea behind right. marriage. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> have you read Sacred Marriage? Uh, I think I read. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think yeah, I did read that. Sacred Marriage. One. I did oh, some teaching gosh. out of that. Who one. wrote it? Who wrote? Oh God, I got that. Yeah, but anyways, the, yeah. the subtitle is "What if God created marriage for my holiness rather than for my happiness?" There it is. And when I heard that title first in two thousand seven, I was like, "It might." Some lady mentioned it in a, in a uh, marriage conference, and I turned to my wife and I was like, "That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard." Fast forward to two thousand fourteen, it was like, "That's the greatest, most freeing message I've ever heard." There it is. What else is marriage for than to purge me of all my selfishness yeah. that I didn't know was there before I was married? Yeah. So. And and to, and to gift you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll give you this little testimony. You know, I started the church out, and I started telling you this in there. I didn't get to finish. I started the church out, and I kept my wife silent. I told okay. you, she got, she's very feisty. And how, how would you keep her silent in the church? I would go. Sweetheart, I got this. Okay. Let me talk to okay. him. Let me handle that. You know, because she'd be like, I need to deal with this person. I need, no, because you're going to kill him. You know, that's, right. I'm thinking in my head. So I've always been this kind of mild mannered guy, calm. Right. You know, so if somebody come up with a problem, we sit down and I smile with them and tell yeah. them a little story. And, you know, whereas somebody come to my wife and she'd be like, look, you just need to get this together, you know. 
Right. If what the Bible says is what you need to do, you know, yeah. that's my wife. I'm I'm more the. Let me tell you a story, and maybe you can understand. You yeah. know. So anyway, um, with that, it caused so many problems in the church. Yeah. Because all the women in the church started coming against my wife. Okay. You know, and once it got big enough, they started bringing it to me. Yeah. And God arrested me one day in my office while one of my wife's supposedly best friends was coming in to complain about her. <laughs> God, the, literally, the Holy Ghost arrested me, literally shut my ears to what she was saying and had me listening to him. Okay. And this is what the Lord said that to me. That sounds amazing. Yeah. This is what the Lord said to me. He said, number one, don't ever let anybody come in here and talk to you about your wife. Okay. And he said, then number two, he said, I created your wife exactly the way I want her to be. Yeah. And so he started taking me through the scriptures of Jesus turning over the tables and right. and all that kind of stuff. And he, then he said this. He said, if you do not release her and let her go, your ministry will no, go nowhere. Yeah. And yeah. so I said, OK. <laughs> so I said, OK. And after that, you know, the, when the, I don't even remember what the person said, I said, you know, I don't know what you were talking about. Lord's been talking to me. We'll talk later. You know, that just kind yeah. of blew her off, you know, right. in a sense. And so after that, I put my wife up to preach for a whole month. Yeah. I had her preaching on Wednesday night, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday for a whole month. Yeah. And it literally transformed the church. And here's something else God told me to do. Because my wife was so stern with the word, I used to react to that. So my wife would say something, and I would go, ouch. You know, I'd be sitting in the chair like, oh, God. She's... And God told me, he said, stop doing that. Yeah. He said, I need you to praise her while she's preaching my word. Yeah. He said, the only reason the people are not receiving is because you're not receiving. Yeah. And so when I started doing that, I'm telling you, man, total transformation So what, in the what was behind you not receiving a truth that she would say? It's the way she said it. Okay. You know how we are. We gotta gotta yeah. hear it the way we want to hear it. You don't want nobody thrashing you, why? Yeah. You know. But um, once that happened, that transformation started taking place. Not only did God um, fix the the atmosphere of the ministry, uh -huh. but He started perfecting her ministry. Right. So that she, through me, learned how to balance out her character. Yeah. And the funny thing was, my character began to grow sure. because of her. Yeah. So even oh, to absolutely, the... Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Now in yeah. receiving and, mode. Yeah. So what happened was, and this is the testimony behind it, one of the young ladies who had been there and went, watched, you know, she was there through that whole transition, she comes up to me one day and she says, Pastor Brown... She said, when you first came here, you were just so mild-mannered and calm and, you know, and, and I just love the way you minister. She said, but now you act like your wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's a testimony because more, more what fiery. happened, yeah. one, the oneness took place. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. We became one, so now we're speaking the same things, we're saying the same things, and we yeah. even almost character-wise, we're, yeah. we're connected. Yeah, you're sounding the same. So now people can't go to me and say one thing and go to her and say something else or vice versa because you're going to get it the they're going to get it the same way yeah and sometimes i purposely don't even say things to yeah. people because i know that when they go to her they're going to get the same message so i just kind of yeah. you know so so it sounds like you're a team oh now, yeah right Dynamic, so yeah when when did you transfer if 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 it was a transfer over to um two different ministers mm -hmm. to ministry couple now, like right. one team, one fight. Mm -hmm. 
when it, yeah you, you know what i'm saying were you ever what did you ever see it as she's uh, doing her ministry you're doing your ministry and then when did it transition to now this is a I, team thing i think it's always been a team thing okay i just didn't grasp the dynamics of that sure team. okay because i was still trying out. to be the man yeah in on the team the the controller sure you know and i think that's what made it less of a team yep but once god arrested me and i took you know took the guards down yeah then it became locked okay as a team you know yeah and the reason why i asked that is because someone asked me that he, she, he said to me you guys consider yourself a ministry couple and so i thought about it and i go actually i'm gonna be honest i, I do my thing Mm-hmm. And she does her thing, right. and so we're not on the same page. Just and and I'm not viewing ourselves. And worse off is uh, the people aren't viewing us as a ministry team, and right. so that really, that really um, grabbed my attention. Well, one uh, of the things yeah. that me and my wife do uh, often is that we preach together. Okay, so you, so you're up there together. Yes, you're you're actually we seen every now and yeah. then. We we get together. And so how does it work? You like you like tag team and well we she'll get we'll like maybe at home she'll say, You feel like preaching with me today? You know, she'll give me the subject or whatever. Yeah. And we just kinda stand up there and yeah. however the Lord leads, it, sure. it comes out, you know. And yeah. I'll try to enhance what she's saying or she'll try to enhance. I usually let her lead it because I I because of the experience, I can pretty much flow in anything. Sure. So I kind of give her that leeway because she's still trying to build her confidence up and stuff yeah. like that. But for the most part, we, we've we been doing that for years. Nice. So that kind of even helped the yeah. more to lock us in yeah. as a team, you know. So even getting called to preach at other churches and stuff, sometimes yeah. we'll go do the teamwork thing, you know. Man. You'll get the dynamic duel today. <laughs> That's intense. So let me ask a real practical question, okay? Mm-hmm. Um. Church starts at, at what time for you guys? About, well, we have Sabbath school at 10, but service starts at 11. Okay, so let's say service starts at 11. Mm-hmm. You're at the house. Well, what, when do you get to the church grounds? About 10. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're getting ready at home at 9, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's tense in the air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's like... <laughs> Who's gonna do this? Who's gonna do that? And and, and then and there and then there's a there's an argument that that breaks out. Okay, and now it's forty five minutes till till go time, <laughs> and it's real. Right. But it's but it's tense, and you're not talking, and you're driving, and it's silent in the car. You could tell I'm just making this up, right? I got <laughs> it, no. It's, 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 <laughs> and then you walk into the building with a lot of people. Oh yeah. Uh, one of the things. So what do you do with that? One of the things that my wife and I have practiced for years. Yeah. Is that we. We consider ministry to be sacred. Okay. And so if we have differences and things like that, that can't happen before we enter on ground on the church grounds. Okay. So 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 it's it's tense and it's quiet. You pull up to the parking lot. What do you do with that? We um, don't because we don't do that. <laughs> That's okay. what I'm trying to tell okay. you. We consider that sacred. So if we have differences, let's just say let me take you through the scenario. We wake up on Sunday morning. One of my wife's biggest pet peeves is that she feels like she has to do everything. Okay. So she's the one running around. I got to get this done. I got to get this done. And I'm going, sweetheart, it really doesn't matter. You don't understand. Okay. Let me just. So I start helping her. Because yeah. my goal, my goal is to keep that tension down. Okay. Yeah, I don't want her up here, right. you know, frustrated. Oh, the 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 uh, PowerPoint needs to be set up. The da da da. You know, she's going on. So 
we just I just kind of assist her. That's how I help keep that tension down. Okay. Because I think when the Bible talks about a man ruling his household, I don't think it means in a sense of making sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. I believe it in a sense of you are able to keep peace in your house. Right. So I become an author of peace in my house. So whatever it takes, it, they have a saying out there, happy wife, happy life. Mm-hmm. Whatever it takes to keep my wife happy, as long as it's within reason, mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. Yeah. So if she wants me to, you know, pick something up or do something really quickly, even if I don't feel like doing it, I'll do it because I don't want to carry that tension into the ministry. Right. Now, especially on the day that we got to go preach. Right. Yeah. You know, and so I, I do that. One of the amazing things that's been happening lately is that my wife and I have been going to see a counselor together. Nice. And so All the right. counselor yeah. has been kind of encouraging her yeah. to let her know she doesn't have to do everything. Yes. You know, and so what she's been doing lately is literally nothing. Yeah. She used to come in, set up the PowerPoint, make sure everything. She's been set free. And she's been set free. And so now there's no PowerPoint. There. And, and I said, you know, we got... Well, we got 15 people in church or 15, 20 people. Yeah. Don't, ain't nobody paying no attention to that stuff. Yeah. You know? And I've been trying to tell her that for the longest, but it took the counselor to tell her for her to realize. So, so man, let's talk about that. Like, um, had you guys ever been to counseling before? No. Actually, okay. uh, one of my friends, one of my very good friends that I went to war with, uh, he went through a divorce after 24 years. And it so impacted his life that it changed him into another man. Okay. Um, Twenty after twenty-four years, this guy is probably one of the most prophetic, uh, on on key guys I've ever met in my life. I mean, you can nine times out of ten, what he says is going to come to pass. Okay. And I called him one day, and every word coming out of his mouth was a cuss word. And it just mm. blew me away. I'm like, what in the world? Yeah, what happened to you? Yeah. And uh, and the, the sad part was he felt justified in his his new character or whatever. And I begin to realize it, it happened because of the divorce situation. His wife left him. and He's bitter. Yeah. And so when I looked at that, I thought about it and I said, well, you know, I've been to war and all this kind of stuff. And I've been through a divorce. I said, but... You know, this is 24 years later. I was like, uh, maybe I better go see somebody just to make sure. Because I understand that there's things about myself that I don't know yeah. that other people can see. Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's amazing. Yeah. That's, well, that's, that's humbling. So I went, I started first seeing a psychologist. Okay. And so when I started seeing a psychologist, my wife was like, I told my wife, I said, the psychologist wants to invite you in. And she's like, no, nah, I don't, you know, she didn't want to go with me. Yeah. That's your thing. That's right. So when we moved to Florida, she decided to start going to see one yeah. for herself. W- was there an event that helped cross her over from, I don't want to go to counseling with you, to, like, I'm going with you? Uh, I think when we moved to Florida, okay, um, she had to give up her business. Okay. The business I told you we had, six-figure yeah. income. Yeah. We sold that. And so we're in Florida with, she has absolutely nothing to do. Okay. And it's messing with her. Yeah. You know, yeah. I got to be doing something. I gotta, and she's ex-military, too, so. Okay. Um, so she's Army as well? Army as well, yeah. Okay. So. Her uh, MOS? She was supply sergeant. Okay, and your MOS was? Self-supply as okay. well, but I was in um, warehouse supply, logistics. Right. She was in the unit stuff. Yeah. Um, 
So she felt like she always got to be doing something. And it was killing her to be there not doing anything. Yeah. And so she said, I need to go talk to somebody. So she started going to see a counselor. Nice. And so the counselor said to her, based on what information she gave her, that it would be good if she actually did yeah. couples counseling. So that's yeah. how we ended up in couples counseling together. You know. Man. So... Yeah. I, <laughs> so again, that's another instance of God working something out rather than yeah. me trying to yeah. fix it myself. You know, um, people reach the end of their rope. When people are wrong about things or people are doing things the wrong way, they reach the end of their rope. Yeah. And then they, they will cry out for help, you know, and you, you trust God that he's going to be there for them, you know. Yeah. And you don't. It's taking off the responsibility that you're responsible for that person, even though because you're married. That's to That's right. That's right. That's the revelation <laughs> yeah. I had. Yeah, is, yeah. I'm is, not responsible. That's right. Yeah, I'm responsible to only do what God tells me to do. That's right. That's it. <laughs> and so here's one of the most convicting things that when, when, when God told me, you, I want you to be fully known by your wife, mm. i.e., tell her everything you've ever done. Right. Tell her things from the past. Tell mm. her sins. Tell her ways that you have uh, sinned in marriage. And then... I'm voicing this out to to my spiritual director. Right. I'm like, ah, well, you know what? Ah, you know, she's gonna react, and then he goes, "That's not that's not your business." Yeah, there it is. It's, it's not. not your business how she reacts. Mm -mm. God called you to be free, and He called you to be known. That's it. That's it. You mm -hmm. do your part, and then the rest is the rest that's, is God. It's up to so, him. no, I I just love the fact that you say you're in counseling because I don't know why. Well, I do know why, but. Mm -hmm. How many of us in the pastoral field aren't in counseling ourselves? Right. Where my psychologists and my psychiatrist friends, mm -hmm. it's part of their training. They call it shadow boxing, mm -hmm. where, um, just like our professor said, you cannot impart what you don't receive. Mm -hmm. So my psychology friends are like, yeah, I'm in therapy. How could I ever practice therapy without receiving it? And so I'm just wondering what's going on in the pastoral realm or in the chaplain realm where, hey, are you going to counseling? No. Why would I do that? <laughs> and then their excuses. It sounds good. It preaches well, but it's, oh man, I just I got Jesus. I got I got the Word, so I don't need to be in counseling. Right. So who counsels you? That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I, I tell I, my my college students that I, I mentor or deal with, I tell them all the time. I say I'm, I'm I'll be 52 years old. Right. Soon. And I said the greatest thing I've learned in life in these 50 years is that I always need somebody bigger than me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, where you're always going to be receiving yes. some truth. And, and the, you know, it's kind of the same thing with this program we're in. It's funny. You you do undergrad work by yourself. Uh-huh. You do graduate work by yourself. That's right. You get on the doctorate level, and they're like, okay, cohort, work together, be a team. Work. And you're like, this yeah. is a new concept because you're thinking you're supposed to accomplish this on your own. And I'm struggling with it myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I you never know. heard that word cohort until I got, you know, at this dissertation yeah. level. Yeah, and they're like, y'all need to work together. You need to collaborate. You need to, and I'm going, I don't quite know how to do that because every other level of education I've been on, it's all been up to me. Right. Yeah. See, so always need somebody bigger than you. Right. So it's like the older you get, the more people you're going to need in your life. I love it. I love it. You know, so counseling is it's wonderful and i got a yeah. good christian counselor so yeah uh even though it's through the va um the, the girls are christian 
although I question it sometimes when I hear her speak, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember when we first went in there, the first thing she made us do was pray together. Nice. <laughs> you know, so nice. we both sitting there crying, holding hands, praying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it was a very good moment the first time we went into the counseling yeah. office. So I, I felt pretty good about, you know. Man. And it, you know, sometimes, uh, I'll just say this, sometimes marital problems are not marital problems. Right. They're outside problems that cause. Sure. Conflict. It's not really you and your spouse. Right. It's you your spouse and this other stuff. Sure. Because, you know, if you could get rid of the other stuff, you and your spouse could be fine. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know. Or, or how I'm viewing the other stuff yeah. that's going on. That's so affecting. You have to imagine, we, all of our kids are grown. Yeah. And for a season, we had some of our grown children living with us, and yeah. my wife wasn't very happy about it. <laughs> Me, I don't care. You know, yeah. I, but my wife, she didn't like it, boy, not one bit. <laughs> really? Yeah. So I, I, it started causing it a problem between us, you know. My wife likes her space. She likes things in order. Right. Uh, she don't like nothing out of place. And so when people come in and they're putting things out of place <laughs> and they're not doing things, then that, that's a problem. Yeah. Right. You know, we let a family come and move in with us for a little while. They with us for about eight months. And probably yeah, around the awesome. fourth or fifth month, my wife was starting to lose it. <laughs> That's and they keep and leaving that's, the doors open. They keep leaving cabinets over. Yeah. Why they gotta wash all the time? You know, she's just going. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and I, mean, I just had to sit there and go, "It's okay, sweetheart. It'll be fine." <laughs> yeah. yeah. You guys, you guys are a ministering couple to allow people to come in and live in your house. Yeah. I mean, and to go four months before the before you got irritated, I yeah. would be you know, probably four hours to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had two. Yeah. They, they had two older teenage kids, and their kids were pretty good, pretty quiet, and everything. Right. But you know, their rooms would get pretty smelly sometimes, and. You know, you yeah. go upstairs to your room and you smell like, what is this, you know, one of them boys? Or sometimes it was my son. So yeah. we had a hard time correcting their kids because my son was keeping his room a mess. You know? Right. So I was like, son, I can't make them clean their room up if you don't clean yours up, you know. Yeah, so. you got such a joyous spirit about that. That's a, that's a very serious thing to uh, to lose privacy, to lose by 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 allowing people to live with you. I, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's just such a good example for, for yeah. me. We've never done that before. But, um, I mean, they were very gracious, you know, and even to this point, they're still saying, we owe you guys so much, We, you know, mm. and we're going, you know, it's a lower thing, so. I love know, that. This, you give the glory this, to God. Yeah, I mean, we, it was a miracle. We moved to Florida, yeah. couldn't find a place to live. Right. Uh, it was a mess, and. When we finally found a place to live, the, the realty company, the name of the realty company was Truvine. Well, the name okay. of the church that I pastored in Columbus was Truvine. Okay. So we knew that was a God thing. Yeah, God so incidents, up, not yeah. coincidence. So we ended up with this six-bedroom house that we only pay oh. uh, the price of a three-bedroom house. Yeah. So and plus, and then is this the same house you didn't pay for a year? No. This, okay, this is that, in Florida. Okay, okay, that was yeah, in Ohio, okay. yeah. Yeah, this is, yeah, so since we've been, we've only been in Florida a year and a half, but we've been in this house. Yeah. And like I said, it's the price of a three-bedroom, but we paying, we got six bedrooms, Jeez. three and a half baths. Yeah. You know, so why not let somebody else come sure, and sure. chill for <laughs> yeah. a little bit, you know, so, so, yeah. So you mentioned teens, and then you we've been talking about marriage, so mm -hmm. let me ask you this question. Mm -hmm. What's more sanctifying for you, parenting or marriage? Marriage, all the okay, time. Okay. Okay. All the way. <laughs> well, so, so how does how does how does 
God sanctifying you, making you holy in your marriage uh, differ or is the same in, in parenting? Um, now I'm going to have to be real transparent with you now. That's all, that's all we do here, <laughs> man. Do. <laughs> um, my problem, not, not a problem, I gained a lot from parenting, but right. I was going through, because I went through a divorce. Yes. Um, I was going through a lot of isolation while I was trying to raise my children. Okay. And uh, I'll never forget this transition that took place. I was sitting watching TV one day, and the Holy Spirit said to me, you really need to go pray right now. You know, favorite show was getting ready to come on. He says, yeah. go pray. So I go down in, the, in my little prayer room, start praying, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me so clearly. And he says, son, you're trying to kill yourself. Yeah. I had gained all this weight, hypertension, okay. all this kind of stuff was going on. And he said, you're trying to kill yourself. And I said, I don't see it. So he flashed before my eyes who I used to be before I went through the divorce and who I was now. Mm. He said, even, he said, you say you fasting all the time. You say you're not fasting all the time. You're not eating because you want to die. Wow. So I, I'm, I, this is just me and God in the room. Ain't nobody else in there, so right. I can't. <laughs> who can I argue with, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And he, and he began to show me. He said, that divorce destroyed you. It took you down, and you need to, you know, pick yourself back up. And so he began to show me that I had kind of been neglecting my kids, even neglecting my wife in some areas yeah. because I lived this, you know, I was functioning. I was being a pastor. People was getting blessed. But I wasn't me. Mm -hmm. You know, and I was dying on the inside. Nobody knew it, but but the Holy Spirit, I guess, and maybe he probably showed it to a couple. So when you're people. talking about isolation, you're talking about emotional isolation. Yeah. Okay. And you know, I go home and find my spot and sure, stay yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. Physical <laughs> isolation as well. Yeah. So after that, I came out that room, and I mean, it was like the Holy Spirit ministered to me yeah. and delivered me at the same time. Right. So I came out that room, and I had literally had to go repent to my children. Yeah. Repent to my wife, even repent to my ex-wife. Sure. You know, uh, that I had not so much repent to her, but forgive her. Yeah. You know, because I knew that a lot of stuff I was feeling, not that I didn't forgive her, because I walked in forgiveness, but I knew a lot of it just had to do with the fact that I was carrying that weight. Sure. Of feeling like a failure. Okay. So, so how does a man who has been through a divorce, mm -hmm. who has been wronged, mm -hmm. forgive his ex-wife? You have to trust the scriptures. Okay. You literally, I, this is what I used to do. Um, when I found out that my ex-wife was cheating on me, uh, I would wake up every morning. Yeah. And I would force myself yeah. to confess the forgiveness every day. Okay. Until it became a part of my nature. So, so how, did that, how did that sound? I would get up, up okay, and I would go, Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for waking me up. I thank you. And, Lord, I'm hurting, but I forgive. Mm. Lord, I forgive. Lord, I forgive. Every day, Lord, I forgive. And I, sometimes I would have to do that for 30 minutes until I could mm. feel that weight lift off of me. Yeah. You know, till it yeah. lifted off and I was able to be free to just, right. you know, go to work and okay. function. Because at the time, I was still in the military, so, you know, you can't go in there as a sergeant and yeah. not be able to run troops because you, you know. So yeah, I, that's what I had to do to build myself up every day was uh, walk in forgiveness more than anything. Yeah. 
you know. Yeah, I asked that because that's such a practical for, for guys going through a divorce right now. Yeah. You know, if I share having not gone through a divorce myself, right. um, and, and you're on the other end, victorious. Right. I, that's just my question is always, how did you get there? And uh, I like that, that you, that you preached to yourself. Yeah. I, I forgive. Yes. I, I, I choose to forgive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're going through, and you know this, I know, when you're going through things that don't make any sense... Um, when you know, in a sense, you've crossed every T and dotted every I, and you're like, this doesn't make any sense. Um, You have to know that God is working something in you. Yeah. And, I mean, that's, I can, from, at hindsight, I can talk about that because all during that time of going through that divorce, those years, because it was a a a two-and-a-half-year process, Mm. um, going through that time, God was so speaking to me loudly okay but he was speaking to me loudly because i forced myself to stay in his face yeah and i think that's the mistake that many people make they they look at the situation and they diagnose it as something that shouldn't have happened and then they neglect god because they feel like god should not have let that happen sure you know, whereas I took this the opposite road and said, well, wait a minute. If this is happening, God, I need to know what's going on. So I stayed in his face and stayed there. Yeah. And he talked me through the whole thing. Right. He showed me. Sometimes God would laugh at me while I was crying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that that's kind of strange. I'm, I'm crying and I'm like, God, I can't believe this. Uh, and I remember one time yeah. he just, he started laughing and I could hear him laughing in the spirit. And de- just as I could hear him laughing in the spirit, the scripture came to me that says, if you do not heed my commands in the day of your adversity, I will laugh at you. Okay. Where's that? Uh... This is in Proverbs. Okay. And so... I'm sitting there, and I'm going, you're laughing at me. And, and he reminded me of all the people, all the roadblocks that he put up to stop me from getting married, and I yeah. never paid attention to none of them. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but at another time, I was crying, and I'm going, I'm crying, and God said, he says, just as clear to me, he says, you're crying because one person has deserted you. He said, do you know how many people turn their back on me every day? Mm. Yeah. Including you. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, one time I, I made up in my mind I was going to backslide. I did. I made it up in okay. my mind. Yeah. I, I went, I went, got home that night, turned on BET, Midnight <laughs> Madness. I was listening to the music, yeah. you know, just sitting there chilling, doing my, th- I'm not going to, it was a Saturday night. I'm not going to church tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. And I fell asleep. And when I woke up, yeah. Benny Hinn was on. Okay. And Benny, well, I don't even remember what he was preaching. Yeah. All I remember is the Holy Spirit saying, if you do not get up, he said, you'll never walk into the anointing that I have for your life. Yeah. And I found myself climbing, pulling myself up off that floor, getting dressed, and going to church. Yeah. <laughs> nice, man. Yeah. Know. I love how God can speak through anybody that he chooses. Yeah. I mean, we just have to be available for it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know we don't. We don't save ourselves, and we don't make ourselves right. It's the Holy Spirit yeah. that leads us. He, he brings us there. But we have to have a willingness to want to be there. Sure. And sometimes we just reject it. You know, God can be calling us into his presence you know, when we go. Yeah. In the midst of, the, in the midst of uh, someone's divorce, and hmm. I mean, what if they don't feel like it? Yeah. You know, well, like, I never felt I like it. Yeah, but, but for guys who are like, dude, I, I could hear you, but I just don't feel like doing anything, man. I, I'm... 
I'm down. I mean, what about that guy? What about that girl? I'm, I, I share this with you, and I, again, hindsight, I'm doing a series right now at my church on the potter and the clay. Okay. The, yeah, Romans. Yeah. No, um, Jeremiah 18. Oh, okay. And God says, uh, especially in the, in the Message Bible, he says, watch the potter. He said, just like the potter is working on the clay, mm -hmm. so am I working on you. Yeah. And so one of the steps yeah. of pottery, one of the steps of the eight steps of pottery is when the, pot, when the vessel was taken off the wheel okay. and it's left to sit and dry. Yeah. That step is called the trimming phase. Okay. And so in our Christian walk, we all go through a trimming phase. Yeah. Now, what that looks like is this. If you're in the hands of the potter, yeah. then you feel like doing everything the potter wants you to do. Yeah, he's just having, and you're, it's spinning, so he's, yeah, so whatever movement he makes. All, every prayer you pray is not because you want to pray, it's because the potter's hands is on you, mm -hmm. and he's pulling you into prayer. Mm -hmm. He's pulling up on you and doing, yep. he's working. Molding you. Yeah. Yes, and so, and the potter keeps his hands wet. And yeah. so we, when you think about water, you have to think about the water, the word. Sure. So what the potter's doing at that season, he's putting water of the word yeah. in you. And molding you in your prayer and your yeah. your service, your, your your Bible studies, and he's putting all that in you. Right. But there's going to come a season that you got to come off that wheel. Yeah. Now, why do I need to come off the wheel? Because in order for you to be established in your faith, in your faith, at some point it has to transition to you loving God just like he loves you. Mm. Yeah. And so Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Obey me, yeah. Right? Yeah. So First John. we don't love God because we feel like loving him. Yeah. We felt like loving him when his hands was on us. But now God wants to know, do you love me? So I'm taking you off the wheel. Yeah. And I need so, to know what you're going to do. It's obedience now at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's not about the feeling. Yeah. His hand's not on me anymore. God, why are you not touching me? Because I want you to walk in that word I put in you while I was touching you. I want you to stand up in the power of the spirit that I gave yeah. you while I was touching you. Yeah. I want your joy to become genuine and not something that I motivate in you. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so you, do you talk about when it goes into the oven and gets baked? I haven't got there yet. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I do. I, I actually did this series before yeah. at the church up in Columbus, so I do talk about that. Yeah. That, that stage, too. You know, that's good. The, 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 the phase when he takes his hands off you and then he's just now now be. Yeah, you're off the wheel. Yeah. Do something with I, it. I like that. So that that's what you do with those feelings. Yeah. You, you have to say, wait a minute. Yes, this is the way I feel. But what does God tell what what does the word tell me to do? Mm -hmm. What is the spirit saying? Yeah. So if the spirit is saying you got to forgive, even though you don't feel like it, you better forgive. Yeah. You know, I like that. Because you're gonna go uh, function off of the truth rather than feeling. Yeah. So, you know, I, I know you don't struggle with um, your identity being in divorce because the way you talked about it, it's 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 a it's a it's a freedom thing that God redeemed, right? So yeah. You don't. I did shame. lose. I did lose some identity behind that, so that. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about that, but right now you, you're free to share. Like this right. is part of my past. This is right. how God redeemed it. But um, 
in the midst when you when you're going through identity crisis mm-hmm. or finding your identity as someone who's divorced right. how did god correct your your thinking on that it or? took you know and i i don't say that it has to take this long but it took him 20 okay. something years oh, wow. to get me to that place okay so yeah. i'm pastoring doing everything doing yeah. the work of the ministry and people are being blessed and you know Hey, bless the Lord, Pastor. You are awesome, man. You yeah, got a yeah. word. You full of wisdom. Again, remember I told you, Holy Spirit told me I was dying. Well, I mean, killing myself. Yeah. Well, even though He told me that, I still hadn't changed some things. Okay. To allow me to live. You, so you I was, were still starving yourself, or yeah, getting bigger and all that. So yeah. I, I got up to two hundred twenty pounds. Wow. You yeah, know. I can't imagine, man. Like, yeah, yeah, I got a picture of it. I'll show it to you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got up to two hundred twenty pounds. So you were, you were, you were eating. Yeah, with it, you were suicidal. Yeah, um, the eating. Yeah, but the eating was. It wasn't so much that I was overeating. It was yeah. that I didn't. I didn't balance out my eating. I wasn't eating three times a day. Okay. You know, I would eat one big meal, then go to sleep sure. on it, or sure. eat in the midnight hour and all that kind of stuff. And so right. you know how your body yeah. starts storing. That's right. You know, so you start eating the wrong times, eating for comfort, all of that. Yeah. yeah. And so when I started, when I went back to start seeing the psychologist, one of the things that started me, another thing that started me to see the psychologist is that one of my pastor friends came to me. We were just talking in general, and he looks at me and he says, "Have you been through a divorce?" Uh-huh. And I said, yeah, I thought I told you that. He said, no. He said, the reason why I'm asking you, he said, because I see something on you. Yeah. And he said, I watch my pastor go through the divorce, and the same thing I see on him, I see on you. Okay. And so when I started going to see the counselor, the counselor gave me this belief system thing that I had to work through as a sheet, worksheet. And it brought me to the conclusion that I didn't believe in myself anymore. Okay. So, you know, you can have faith in God and not have faith in yourself. Uh-huh. And that's where I was living. Okay. So all my belief, everything was about God, but nothing was about me. That's why I wouldn't take care of myself. Yeah. And so yeah. through that understanding, I started going through the scriptures and I started seeing, you know, and I'm, I'll be with you. I'll walk with you. You know, I'm seeing all the you, the word you over and over again in scripture. And I'm going, oh, this is about me, you know. Yeah. And God began to reveal to me, say, yes, I want you to be you. Yeah. It's not necessarily all me. I put stuff in you that I need you to respond to because it's you. Right. Jesus told disciples, you heal the sick. You raise the dead. You cast the devils out. Right. You know, and I'm going, God did this. No, I did it because he put the gift in me to do right. it. Yeah, he did it through you. Yeah. And so that was a new reality for me. And that's what caused me to, you know, that make that transition. Yeah into identity thinking. Who am I? Yeah. What have I been called to do? What gifts are in me? Right. Before I formed in the belly, I already ordained you and sanctified. What's up? When I started looking at that, then I began to realize I want to live. Yeah. And so based on that, that thought, I started losing weight, um, you know, exercising every day, yeah. eating right, all that kind of stuff, you know. That's good. Lost yeah. 60 pounds. Wow. <laughs> in eight <Yeah>. months. <laughs> yeah. You know, the message of hope is, is so powerful for people mm. who have gone through something traumatic like a divorce. And I just yeah. I just always like to champion that that there is hope if there's someone who's lost, you know, all hope because yeah. or they found their identity in it. I remember leading one guy in a prayer mm. um, of his identities in Christ, not in the divorce. And the guy just broke down. Yeah, he's like, I was like, wow, that's powerful. So so here's another thing. S- switch of topics. Mm. Um, 
cool. You pray as if as if you've met God face to face, brother. <laughs> like like every time you pray, I'm like, dude, that's there's a story behind. You don't just you don't just get there. Um, how do you have? How does someone move from the standard like? Father, thank you, Lord. You know, bless my food, bless my day. And now I lay me down to sleep. I pray. To the Lord. How do, how do how do people, Christians, believers, move from these these good prayers, but they're but they're standardized to something like what were you pray? I could hear the the Spirit moving in you, and like you're like yeah, this guy's met God. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you get there? Years ago, I um, I was in a revival. Okay. And the man of God, when he laid hands on me, he says, God desires a personal relationship. Okay. Now, I grew up traditional Baptist. Okay. So I thought a personal relationship was having a prayer life, mm-hmm. going to church, the normal stuff. Yeah. And so it, it startled me. I'm like, what is he talking about? You know, so I waited maybe a week later and I went back to him and I said, you know, you said God said I need a personal relationship. I said, what is that about? Yeah. And he says, uh, do you ever really just sit and wait on God to talk to you? Do you ever sit and let God do some talking sometimes? And nobody had ever told me that God could talk yeah. like that to me, yeah. you know, back during that time. And so at the time, the pastor had laid her hands on me and wanted me to play the piano for the church. Okay. And I didn't know how to play the piano. So every time I would get up and play the piano, um, I would, the pastor would be like, nope, you need, you know, stop that. You're making too much noise, you know. <laughs> and it's funny. He would do that to me, and I'd get discouraged. And then this deacon, man, he would come, a big old tall deacon, man. He would come and grab me, pick me up. He said, man, you really played that piano today. Yeah. You know, and he would lift my spirits yeah, up. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, when the man told me about getting a personal relationship, I stopped practicing the piano. And I made it a point to just get on my knees. Yeah. And wait on God and okay. seek God and and I want at the time I wasn't f- what I would call at the in that tradition filled with the Holy Ghost so I wanted the Holy Ghost too yeah. you know so well, it was a Baptist tradition right yeah really well no this this was Pentecostal okay the Baptist tradition yeah I didn't know nothing about the Holy Ghost but <laughs> yeah I come into Pentecostal <laughs> and everybody's speaking in tongues and I'm like I want that you know yeah and so I would be sitting at home I remember one time I went in my bathroom and I said. Um, I said, God, you're going to have to show yourself to me. I need to be real. Yeah. So I'm sitting there on my knees on the, you know, over the bathtub, and I hear this big boom. I mean, just this explosion, you know. And I thought, man, the roof must be blown off the house. And I ran out the bathroom, and I looked at my wife and said, did you hear that? And she's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, and I'm going around, and I'm going. And so I realized the explosion had happened within me. It scared me half to death. Huh. It's, I'm telling you, it scared yeah, me. Okay. And so after that, I was like, okay, maybe I don't need to for you to show me that much, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I kept, I stayed in that mode, and I kept praying and kept just like waiting on God to talk to me. Um, and the first thing that happened was one morning I woke up and I had a vision. Okay. And in the vision, I seen fingers playing on the piano. Yeah. And so I got up out of my bed, ran to the piano, and I could play exactly what I seen in the vision. With no training. With no training. 
And I was like, oh, God, this is... <laughs> okay, so now my piano player is in, playing has improved 100%. I'm a whole... Pastor never telling me to be quiet again. I'm, I'm, I'm in tune now. Wow. Um, you got the gift of playing the piano, just... Yeah. Like that. Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> so through that, yep. I had to stay in tune with God. All right. To know when to play, when not to play. Yeah. To flow with the Spirit and all that kind of stuff. And so it forced me to just stay in a place of hearing God all the time. Hearing okay. God. What is God? God, what are you saying? What do you want me to do? What note you want me to play? Where, you, you know, yeah. and so through that constant interaction with God. Yeah. Eventually, gifts started coming. God would have me interpret tongues and give yeah. prophetic word yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And so the more I did it, the the closer I got to him. Right. You know, so that's that's how yeah. it developed. You know, I <laughs> I don't know no other way. Just right. constantly spending time and having a desire to want and, and to know that he actually does interact with us like that, you know. That makes sense, man. I yeah. mean, you're in constant communion with God. Um, you know, I talked to him, and when, when finally called to, hey, can you pray for the group? It's gonna, it's gonna come out. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, la last thing. Mm -hmm. um, people, we hear the stat in the class that if you're speaking to a group of high schoolers, mm -hmm. that one third of them will have experienced some sort of uh, sexual trauma. trauma. Yeah. That blew my mind. Yeah. So, and, you know, if I take that, you know, to a military context or, or, or you know, mm -hmm. midlife context, then then those numbers skyrocket. Well, of course. Um, can you take me through your 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 past? What what has happened in your life and how God has redeemed and restored all that which was broken and some of the some of the stuff that has uh, come out as as a you know from the brokenness of the past. Yeah. Because that, that is your story. I want, I want to tell you, but I need to, can I pee first? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you yeah. put that on the tape for that. <laughs> just pause it, just a second, I'll be right back. What were we talking about? Oh, you wanted me to tell my story about the Oh, yeah, yeah, pa the past, yeah. Yeah, the past. Past. So, my mother and my father were still in high school uh, when I was born. Okay. She was 17. Wow. Yeah. Um, so she never, I don't think she ever graduated high school. Um, she didn't stick with my dad, of course. She ended up marrying another guy who was the father of one of my sisters. Um, and they ended up getting married. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think my mother, out of spite, named me after my sister's father rather than naming me after my real father. Oh. So, um, her father ended up, her and my mother ended up abusing me and my sister. We're okay. like 10 months apart. Yeah. So they beat us, tied us up, and left us in the closet. Oh. And, How uh, old? We were pro I think I was around five, so my sister was probably four, oh. or four or five, around three, four, yeah. those ages. So, um... The fact I just recently heard uh, the, you know, the story in a little bit more detail. Sure. Um, my sister said the family was watching them, you know, kind of carry on and everything as if they didn't have any children. Yeah. And the family became concerned, and so they actually came looking for us and found us. Yeah. You know, um, 
they said it was the worst child abuse case they had ever seen in the city at how the time. Long, how long were you? They said a couple of weeks we were locked up in there. No food, no nothing. You went a couple of weeks at four and five without eating? Yes. How is that possible? I don't know. It's God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, That's all I, I could know. When the, I mean, bro, I got, I got a four and five-year-old, uh -huh. six and a half. Anyways, I'm going to keep it together here, man. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, tell me tell me more. So my sister, uh, well, my she's sister that I, of the family that I grew up in. Yeah. She was the one that found us and, you know, she said, I had to take you guys and nurture you back to health. And, oh. you know, she said, you, you know, I had to treat you like little babies and almost feed you with a bottle because, yeah. you, you know, the way everything was. Um, so, of course, we, they took my sister away, but I, my mother and father ended up going through a divorce. Okay. And so I ended up living with my mother for a while, but my sister yeah. lived with her father's family. Okay. Um, um, so later on, my mother got to a place she felt like she couldn't handle me by herself. So yeah. she ended up giving me over to that family as well. And so during that time, some of the siblings in that family began to sexually mm. molest me and my sister both. Yeah. Um, so I went through that for some years, probably till I was close to being a teenager. Yeah. Um, so like I was saying before, I used to, my going to school, my going to church were escape routes for me. They weren't. Okay. You know, so I enjoyed it because it it got me away from the atmosphere of the house. Yeah, yeah. You know, my my brother, uh, the one that was doing it to me, he actually got caught one time, and he got in trouble, but not the kind of trouble that somebody should get in for doing something like that. So okay. because of trouble, because he wasn't punished, he just kept doing it. Yeah. You know, and even to this day, I'm finding out that most of the family knew what was going on, but nobody wanted to say anything. What kind so, of family? Like aunties and uncles? Yeah. Yeah, I grew up with my aunt from my sister's father's side. Okay. And she had five kids of her own, and then her brother-in-law and his wife, they died about three months apart, and they had eight children, and she took them in. So 17 of us growing up in the house together. Wow. So went through all of that. Um, by time, high school, all of that. Um, it's funny, I could never find a girlfriend when I was in high school until right. I got to about the 12th grade. 12th grade, I couldn't keep the girls off of me. But, yeah, yeah. Um, well, by the time I went to college, I ran into a young lady um, she wasn't even in college, and we started dating, and, you know, this was my probably my first experience, but I think I was just, out of all of that, I, I, all that time, I was feeling like killing myself the whole time. There were a couple mm. times I just wanted to die. Yeah. One time, my brother, the one that was molesting me, he actually um, poured gasoline all, all over me and got ready to light me on fire. Mm. Uh, so... With all of that, like like I said, when I went to college, because of that type of lifestyle, I'm not making an excuse for it, I really didn't know how to be in a relationship with nobody. I didn't know, yeah. you know, and so here I hook up with this woman who really is from the hood, 
sure. don't have no vision for a life or nothing like right. that. And yeah. everything that I knew about being a father or whatever, not a father, but a mate, I got from TV. Yeah. So I'm thinking I can be this knight in shining armor for this girl. And right. So we ended up, she ended up getting pregnant, so I dropped out of college, joined the military. Yeah. So I could take care of the baby and everything and took her away and thinking we could make a better life somewhere else. We got married and, yeah. you know, had another kid. And we was in the military. I was in the military, let's see, 91. So 91 was the Gulf War. Yeah. So it was 91 that she left me, and we was... I was in there since 84. Okay. So um, yeah. six years, uh, she left me after the Gulf War. Where our divorce wasn't finalized until 92 years later. So, yeah. um, so she left me in 91, and that's when I really began to struggle because I got saved. And it's funny. She's the one that took, told me I couldn't date her unless I went to church. Yeah. So I started going to church because of her. But I think she was not expecting the church to get inside of me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when I actually started preaching and ministering and everything and, and moved to that level, I think it began to do something to her. Hmm. You know? And so she literally told me one day, she said, I don't want this life. This is not what I the want to be. The church life. The church life. The yeah. pastor's wife life. Yeah. And I wasn't a pastor. I was just. You yeah, know, okay. You're getting involved. Yes, yeah, just getting involved. I'm still young. and Right. You know, so she told me she didn't want this life and everything. So she left me. Again, I'm struggling with suicide, all yeah, this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I ain't afraid to uh, share this since it's an interview thing. I'll share with you that one time I had gotten so angry that I wanted to go get a gun and kill everybody. Mm, yeah. You know, that's how bad it was. Um, I didn't want to just die by myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> Taking the yeah. wife and kids with me. That's right. You know, so I, I understand what people, when I hear those stories in the news, I understand it. Oh, I, yeah. I have compassion for stuff like that yeah, because despair. I know that thing came on me one time, and if it wasn't for the grace of God, you know. Yeah. And so I thank God. Um, I, um, I remember I let my wife come back, let her, my ex wife, come back a couple times. Right. After I got stationed over in Germany, I let her come. She got there, stayed there. I thought everything was going well. And one day she comes in and she's like, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm. So we had to go see a chaplain and get counseled out and all that kind of stuff. So I sent her back. But I remember sent, before I sent her back, and when she actually when she came to me and told me that, I remember getting on my knees and I prayed and I said, God, I know that I have the gift to be married. Right. And I don't know how you're going to satisfy that gift, but I have a gift to be married, you know. And so I'm giving this over to you because um, there was a—we were in—the pastor had called a prayer meeting one time. We were in there praying. We, and that's all we did was pray for like a couple yeah. hours. The whole time we praying, the Lord is like, go home and get the devil out your house. Yeah. Go home and get the devil out your house. It's the whole time. He, and I'm going— is there something else? You know, no, go home and get the devil out your house. So yeah. I go home. I start anointing the house with oil. And I'm, yeah, yeah. You know, Satan, I bind you up in the name of Jesus. I cast you out of my house right now. This is God's house. I claim this house for the kingdom of God. And I'm just, you know, going to town with it, you know. Right. And she gets up and she says, you're crazy. And she walks out the door. And when she walked out the door, I felt this weight just drop off of me. Oh, wow. And God said, you're free. Yeah. You know, and so well, her choice, her choice was to leave. Yeah. 
Yeah. So here's how God did it. I literally took my wife and put her on a plane on a Sunday. Yeah. Thursday, early return I was of up, dependence. Huh? Early return yeah, of early dependence. Yeah, early return of dependence. So I put her on a plane, sent her back. That was on Sunday. On Thursday, I get to church to start teaching Bible study, and my new wife is sitting directly in front of me while I'm up teaching Bible study. Yeah. I've never seen her before. Okay. So this is a new person. I'm like, where this person? Well, I missed church Sunday because I was putting her on a plane, so I right. didn't even know she had came. But my new wife is sitting in front of me. I didn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> And how you know, long, I mean, how how did that relationship bud to the point where you, you know, you're married? She, um, she came to Bible study, came to choir rehearsal. I was a choir yeah. musician. because you got the new gift. Yeah, and so <laughs> she came to choir rehearsal one night, and she was supposed to have been, we learned a new song, and I needed a soloist for the song. Yeah. So my wife gets up, and she starts singing the song. Yeah. And after she gets done singing, the president says, well... She can't sing it because she's not a member of the church yet. Huh. So I'm going, oh, God. So my wife is devil. Also, the pastor came in that night and decided to teach on pants, women wearing pants. Now my wife is in the military, and she was wearing a pants suit that night. Yeah. So I knew that the enemy was just, you're not supposed to be here. You can't wear pants. They ain't going to let you sing in the choir. So she literally gets up and walks out. <laughs> So I not allowed to wear pants. Yeah, this was, you know, back in the old church. Yeah, yeah. So I get up off the piano in the middle of rehearsal, and I go out the door. I say, where are you going? She said, oh, I got to go put my clothes. I said, no, stick around. You know, we'll just stick around, you know. So I, I talked her into coming back in. Yeah. Because I knew she was devastated. So Sunday comes around, and she, does, she comes to church, but she doesn't join. Because I really wanted to sing this song. She got a voice on her. Yeah. So I'm going, okay. So Monday comes around. I'm sitting in my house. And the Lord said, go see her. Yeah. And I said, I can't go see her. You know, church rules. I'm married. You still, you know, I, my divorce ain't final, so oh, I'm still married. Yeah. yeah. She's single. You know, a married man shouldn't be going over a single woman's house, right, blah, blah, right. blah. So I'm sitting there fighting me and God. Just, you know, he said, I need you to go see her. Yeah. So I get up and I, I go to where her house is and I'm standing in the stairwell. And the Holy Ghost is like, you need to go see her. I'm walking up and down the steps. I'm afraid to ring the doorbell because I'm like, this is against the church rules. The yeah. Holy Ghost said, go see her. So finally I ring the doorbell and, you know, she lets me in. We sit down and start talking. And the best way I can describe it is like for the first time in my life, I met somebody and I felt like we were knitted together. Yeah. For the first time, I never felt that before in my life. Right. I walked out of there with my mind blown. Like, what in the world just happened to me? Sure. So I had made a, I had made up in my mind. You know, I knew I was going to be divorced. I had made up in my mind that I would not date anybody or get close to anybody unless my mom approved of it. Okay. Uh, after my my aunt that raised me, you know. So yeah. I get home that day. And I pick up telephone, and we in Germany. So I'm making a long-distance call from Germany. I'm like, hey, I just met this girl, blah, blah, blah. I'm running it down, and she stops. She pauses for a minute, and she says, that's your wife. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Your <laughs> you mom's know? a woman of God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and she says, that's your wife. I'm like, okay. So I ain't say nothing to her. We just maintain a good relationship and everything after yeah. that. And then one day, I w I, we were just kidding around or something. And I said, girl, what am I going to do with you? And she said, well, you should marry me. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was all, 
You know? Yeah. And the funny thing is, I, I don't tell a lot of people this because some people can't handle it. My divorce went through on the 2nd of September, and I got married on the 3rd of September. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> and we've yeah, been together for 24 years. Yeah, the process was a long time, though. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't the 24-hour turnaround. Yeah. <laughs> 24 so, yeah, years. 24 years yeah. this year. Wow. And it's been the greatest experience of my life. Yeah. Every day gets sweeter and sweeter, better, better, greater, greater. Yeah, man, you carry this joy about you that, I mean, you wouldn't know unless someone is asking these questions like right. locked up and abused as a child and sexually abused by, by trusted family members and divorced and cheated on. And then and now you carry yourself as, you know, like you walk <laughs> with God. It's, the, it's him. Yeah. It's, it's all him. You know. That's powerful, bro. So I'm going to bring it back to... Uh, Maybe close with this too. Like, how does a person forgive someone who's caused so much hurt? Like, even sexual family abuse. members. Yeah, sexual abuse, locking up children for dead. How how does one forgive for for such atrocities? You have to know your identity. Okay. Nobody's born just to be born. Everybody's born with a purpose. Yeah. If the Bible is true, and it is, that the sins of the fathers pass into the third and fourth generation, mm. then you cannot break the curse unless you've come through the sin passage. Okay, explain that to me. We cannot so, break, because I, I understand yeah. generational curses, so right? So you got this generational down. curse, it's passed now. How so do we I, break it? I'm a third generational curse person. Okay. So if... If abuse is in my is in my is part of the curse of my family, the lineage, then I'm gonna be abused regardless of what I do. Because it's in my my genes, it's, it's in my DNA. It's being passed down. It's being passed down. Through the fathers, yeah. Right. But God will always raise up a savior. Yeah. So when you find out your identity in Christ, who is yeah. a savior, yeah. then you find out you're a savior for your family. That's right. And you break the curse. And you break the curse. So I you realize it. that it wasn't them doing it to you. It was the curse that was doing it to you. It's sin reigning yes. in their bodies. It wasn't even them. No. So when you find your identity, you look beyond the person and you see the thing behind the person. Yeah. And it needs to be stopped. Yes. So I went to my siblings and I said, I forgive you. Yes. I went to my mother and said, I forgive you. Yes. You know, and even to this day, I still, you know, I go see my mother. I go see my father. My other, the father that abused me, he passed away. Well, he got killed. But, yeah. you know, the point is, is that I don't dismiss myself from that situation. I realize who I am in Christ. And I realize that if I don't show them that love, they may never get free. <laughs> see, so do you. The, the, the abusers in your family mm -hmm. or sin that was reigning in them and, and doing these things, mm -hmm. uh, are, are they, do they have a relationship with God now? Do you tell this story together? Um, hmm. Like I said, my, the, the brother's dead now. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, he died of a heart attack. My father, he's dead because he got killed by the police. Okay. So, and my sister, the one that abused me, she is literally out of her mind because she was on drugs for some years. Okay, yeah. 
She's, so, is she in an institute? No, she just kind of floating around out yeah. there, you know. Yeah. I mean, I just seen her for She's Easter. Lost. Sure. But, you know, her mind is, you know. Yeah. And so I think the ministry of presence is the best thing I provide for yeah. my mother, you know, my dad, who I didn't meet him until I was almost 30 mm. and found out I had other brothers and sisters that I sure. didn't know about. Sure. Um, but so I, I pro- kind of practice a ministry of presence. And yeah. just this past, uh, what was it, Easter, I was at home. Yeah. And I went to go see my dad. And I found out when I met him that he used to be in the church real heavily and all that kind of stuff. And so um, he still drinks and he, he has a heavy drinking problem. He, every mm-hmm. time I see him, he's drinking and sells drugs and all that kind of stuff yeah, right. in his old age. Um, but this time when I went to see him, I had my son with him and everything. And we sat, I sat down and played a keyboard. He plays bass guitar and sings. Okay. And so we played a little bit together, and as we were leaving, he looks at me and he says, listen, what? No, he's talking to my son, his grandson. He says, you need to listen to your dad. He said, you got, you know, one of the best dads in the world, you know. Hmm. And he said, what God is doing in him or, or what is happening in him is even changing me. Yeah. And he said, every time he comes around, I feel like I have to pray more. I have to pick that Bible up. Sure. I have to start reading. And that, that was an encouragement to me because he'd never— kind of expressed that I was yeah. having an impact on his life like that, you know. But I never tried to force him, you know, into it. I just, it's the presence, you know. That's right, ministry of presence. Yeah. So y- you've been set free on several levels. <laughs> and still be a set free. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right, the story's not over. Yeah. I mean, you've been set free from from uh, bitterness and resentment mm-hmm. towards people who have hurt you. You've been set free from bitterness and resentment from a, from an unfaithful um, marriage situation, you've been you've been set free uh, on several levels. So mm-hmm. I, I just I give God the glory for that, it and, is I, God. and yes, I'm sir. thankful that I've met you, and that that, that this relationship uh, I call it a bromance, you know, <laughs> like, like yeah, <laughs> a fellow broken, yeah. a fellow broken brother that I can that I can talk to that uh, we could share our stories together. Mm-hmm. That there is hope, and. Uh, Man, I just love praying with you. I, I love praying the, for the other guys with you. The book works. Yeah. The book works. It works. Yeah. His truth endures to all generations. Yeah. There's something behind loving your enemies and doing good to them that hate sure. you and praying for them. that It works. Yeah. He will make your enemies to be at peace with you when your ways please him. It works. Yeah. You know? That's my, my, my main story behind all of my deliverance is that the book works. Okay. Every word in that book will come alive and it will manifest in your life yeah. and cause you to experience that joy when you put it into practice. I believe it. When we speak it into the, yeah. the atmosphere. Yeah, we speak it and we walk it out. Yeah. And it I works. It. I love it, brother. <laughs> hey, um, yes. can you... Can you Close us in prayer sure, here? Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Let's, let's see a little bit of that <laughs> in action, then we'll call All right. It. Well, Father, we give you praise, honor, and glory for this meeting, God, this coming together, this sharing of stories, God. God, we know that's the way it worked, God. That's how those stories got in the Bible is that people shared them from generation to generation, God. Yes. And we just thank you, God, that you've made us part of a new uh 
a new uh, covenant, God, and, and part of a new yeah, canon, covenant. God. You're creating canons in our lives, God, and we give you praise for it. We give you honor for it right now. And, Father, we just ask right now that, oh, God, as, as even as we've been talking and an encouragement has been coming, God, that we remember to just stay in your face, God. God, you set us free today, God, by reminding us, God, that you have justified us. And it's not by any good deeds that we have done, God, but it's because you just love us. Amen. And I thank you for loving me, God. I thank you for loving me not to hold my past against me. I thank you loving me so much, God, that you called me to break generational curses, yes. not just in my family, but in other families and in other people's lives, God. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, and I just thank you for it, God. I honor you, God, for the, such a great love that you have toward us, God. And God, I just want to give you praise and honor and, and just keep us, God. This, this week is not finished, God. I know you're going to keep feeding us and you're going to keep bringing us, oh, God, closer uh, to your presence. And I just enjoy this, God. And I just ask, God, that you just be with us during this time. Open our ears to hear. Open our hearts to receive. And we'll give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, brother. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah, man. Good, good times. <laughs>